What we do here is go back, 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 back. Welcome, welcome to The Hustle Sold Separately. We are a weekly podcast dedicated to all of you amazing humans out there that are just different. <laughs> That's, I think, the best way to put it. But I always say, you know, whether you're an entrepreneur or a CEO or a creative or, uh, a, you know, a musician, a producer, a photographer, it really doesn't matter. It's just mostly about following your passion and doing the things that make the most sense to you. Often at times that's met with a little bit of resistance from, you know, quote unquote, mainstream society uh, that just can't understand that. Why, you know, why are you doing things differently? <laughs> why do you think outside the box? Why are you approaching these things uh, the way you are? You're very welcomed here and you're very understood here. And every one of my guests that comes on usually didn't take the most conventional path either. So they're going to, <laughs> they often explain, you know, how they understand where you're coming from. And so we've grown this into a huge, massively huge uh, global community. And I'm very, very uh, uh, appreciative of that. I know we've got a lot of new listeners. And so each week I've been welcoming all of you because you're, you're new to the community. Uh, my day ones have been around since the very beginning, four and a half years ago. We're still going strong, 355 episodes deep. And to all my new people, it's nice to meet you guys. I'm Matt Gottesman. Uh, if you guys want to reach out at Matt Gottesman on Instagram, that's where, you know, you can kind of find out about the other endeavors. We can get into a conversation. You can also get in on the conversation at the intersection of creativity, culture, and entrepreneurship on at HDF Magazine on Instagram. Of course, you can follow along at Hustle Sold Separately on Instagram. And you guys know I answer each and every single text, DM, reply, response, you name it on the wall for the last... I don't know, six or seven years, you guys got me running uh, and I have no qualms uh, of, uh, or even thoughts of stopping. So I appreciate each and every one of you. And also thank you for all of the ratings and reviews. It's been just greatly appreciated. And uh, we've got another amazing, amazing episode because he's an exceptional human being in my life. And I've wanted him on the podcast for some time. And I think there's just probably no better time than right now, but that's how divine timing usually works. Uh, and we're gonna be talking about finding your purpose. And it seems like a very simple topic. I believe it is a very deep topic and something that a lot of people reach out to me online about. And, um, you know, I myself have been uh, constantly working from within my purpose for several years, but that came from a massive transformation. And even then, I think that it's constantly evolving and that there's, there's flexibility in that. I like people to know that that, you know, we're, <laughs> as we evolve, we learn new things about ourselves and they add to our purpose, but there's ways to tap into other areas of it. And so I have the perfect person. <laughs> I know he'll probably be very humble about me saying that, but uh, I believe one of the perfect people to talk about this. He's a uh, spiritual mentor of mine. He's a rabbi of mine, Rabbi Pinchas Alush. Uh, he's an author. He's a public speaker. And uh, he's uh, the founding rabbi of one of the most vibrant and fastest growing synagogues in the United States. Uh, called Congregation Beth Tefillah, and he was there for me when I, um, when my father passed, and um, I did morning uh, prayers for him for eleven months, as as part of a, you know, cultural tradition, um, and it really meant a lot to me. Even though I had known of this uh, human being prior to that, 
Uh, he's a hugely recognized rabbinic figure, respected author of numerous literary works, gifted public speaker. I know he's probably, <laughs> he's probably like, stop talking about me. Uh, and he's really enlightened, inspired audiences throughout the United States, Europe, Israel, and South Africa. Um, and uh, besides academic pedigree, uh, richly cultural, having lived in France, where he was born, South Africa, and Israel, fluent in English, Hebrew, French, and Italian. Uh, and if you've ever had dinner at this man's house, you would know that he, he will literally go into all of these different languages. Um, and, uh, you know, he was uh, listed in the Jewish Daily Forward as one of America's 36 most inspiring rabbis. So to, to have him here in my backyard and somebody that I can confide in has been uh, remarkable. Um, he's also a prolific blogger for the Huffington Post, Times of Israel, and many other large publications, as well as his own blog that he has. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that. And um, we're going to talk a lot about purpose, finding your purpose, understanding it, what happens if you get lost along the way, that happens too, and many other topics. But uh, thank you for being here, Rabbi. I really appreciate your time. No, thank you, Matt. Thank you. And thank you for that glorious introduction. I wish my mother could uh, listen to you. Maybe I'll send her the podcast. She 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 would believe you. <laughs> That's perfect. Well, it, you can listen to this globally. So uh, now she now there's no choice. Um, right. Thank you. You know, I I I told you before the show started that the first question is always the same, which is just how did we get here? You have this remarkable background, and you're the leader of a community. You're you're involved in. Um, you know, national and global organizations, um, and at, at some of the highest of levels, you're one of the most approachable, likable people I know, uh, and you have an amazing background. So you can go back as far as you'd like. Um, some people go all the way back to birth or, or before, <laughs> but you can go as far back as you're like, how did we get here? I'd we, the audience would love to know. Right. Well, that's a very wise thing you just said, because really our journey begins way before us, before our birth. Uh, so if I had to begin with my parents, with my grandparents, we would be here <laughs> all day. So I'll cut it short and just begin with my birth, even though, as you pointed, that's really not where the story begins. So I was born in Toulouse, France, in a city south of France. And uh, the reason I was born there is because my father's an aeronautical engineer and Airbus, he's headquartered there and he was working for Airbus at the time. At the age when I was eight, my father had a proposal a very attractive job proposal in South Africa, Johannesburg, which caused our family then to move to Johannesburg, South Africa. We lived there for uh, about six years. And uh, then we moved to Israel. My father's also, and my mother too, and they always wanted to move to Israel. So we eventually moved to Israel when I was about 13 and a half. Um, I uh, went to school in Israel, to high school in Israel, to post high school, uh, a yeshiva learning institute in Israel. Um, and then I um, uh, uh, explored other avenues. Part of the reason I explored uh, other avenues because really at the age of about 18, I had an existential crisis. And uh, it stemmed from this uh, long-term dream that I had maybe from the age of 13 that I wanted to join the Israeli army. At the age of 18, I was told by a medical team in the Israeli army, in IDF, that um, I could not join the army due to a genetic disease that I have called familial Mediterranean fever. Uh, don't worry, it's not a severe disease, but it is a disease that um, has caused me to take uh, these pills each and every day. And in their words, they told me, well, if you fall into captivity, then 
we don't want to take any responsibility. You'll need those pills. You won't have them and something might happen to you. So goodbye. I, um, I did, as mentioned, I experienced this crisis because I really did not know what to do. This was my big dream and that was taken away from me. So my dear mentor who passed away about two months ago, Rabbi Adin Steinsaltz, who is really recognized as one of the great scholars of all generations. Uh, Time magazine called him a once in millennium scholar. And Matt, if you don't mind, I'll probably mention him a few times. Please do. Uh, during our conversation. But he advised, well, why don't you go to Geneva? Now, this was uh, completely out of the box. I, I, I had never been to Geneva. I, had, I knew no one in Geneva. Why don't you go to Geneva? I hear that they're looking for someone to um, help the youth in the Jewish community there. So um, adhering to his advice, I moved to Geneva. I got involved in community work. And then, and just then, something clicked. Something resonated profoundly. And I said to myself, oh, up until now, I thought that I wanted to be an attorney or maybe other things. No, I think I want to in, in, uh, devote my life to community work too. And that's when I decided really to become a rabbi. From then, I went to rabbinic school. Part of it was in Milan, Italy. Uh, then um, I got married in Israel after receiving my rabbinic diploma. I taught in multiple schools. Then moved to Atlanta to become a youth director slash assistant rabbi in a very large community in Sandy Springs. Um, and then moved to Phoenix, where we founded Congregation Betafila just over 10 years ago. And thank God it's been thriving ever since with some 400 plus families now as part of members of our community. And uh, our next big goal is also to create a Jewish high school year, one that does not exist yet. And uh, we have big dreams, big dreams as part of this, this passion that I discovered within me at the tender age of 18 to involve myself in community work. That's amazing. And, and you reside here with your wife, Esther, and nine children, nine children. <laughs> You're That's correct. Nine blessings, nine very nine, different blessings. <laughs> they're amazing kids, actually. They're, they're, they're all amazing, and they, they treated me so well whenever I'm over there. <laughs> so thank you. It, you know, um, and I, I, know, I know what you did there. I know you, you really uh, shortened your, your background so we can get into the, more of the meat of, of service, of course, but, like, but it is a, um, a phenomenal background. And I think uh, a lot of listeners would, would really relate to the fact that, like, oh, okay, I always wanted to do this. This is no longer an option. What do I do now? I think a lot of people would relate to that. It happens, you know, um, and it, it's perfect topic, I think, for in weaving into the fact that, like, I think a lot of people struggle with, but what's my purpose? And I, I don't even know where sometimes to begin on that subject because there's so many layers to that. Um, you know, everything from what you feel right in your soul. Um, are you having any clarity? Um, you know, how far off the, the path did you veer? So like maybe you have to kind of like go of some things and some ideologies or, you, you know, not ideologies, but like, you know, just behaviors, the things that you, you know, no longer serve you. I mean, there's so many different ways to get back to a center, if you will, and think about purpose. Right. Where do you begin on a subject like that? Like, hey, uh, let's say somebody comes to you and says, I'm struggling to find my purpose. Where do I begin? What does that look like? So that's a great question. And of course, it's a very relevant one. And, and it's, it's an essential one. So over the years, I've, I've come up with a theory that condenses um, all of those big answers that try to discover into 
into really four different levels or four different ideas. And I call it the POP theory, uh, P-O-P-P. And those letters really stand for those four big ideas that may lead us towards finding a purpose. The first P really stands for personality. I think the first step towards finding one's purpose mm. is to discover who we are. We were, we, as you mentioned in your introduction and in your beautiful introduction, we are different. Every single one of us is different. And, um, you know, in, in a way, I, I, you know, I think that I, I look at it as if we were indispensable notes in God's great symphony. Everyone has their own uniqueness. And we really have to find out what is unique about us. Uh, what unique skills do I have? What, uh, are, God, what are my God-given talents? Uh, what type of, of uh, moods in general do I have? What am I attracted to? What is my soul thirsty for? So the first P stands for personality, or uh, otherwise maybe uh, to, to translate that into somewhat of a commandment, know thyself. Um, and through knowing yourself, you'll also better know how then to channel that self and, um, and, and follow it and, and fulfill it in the best of ways. So that's number one. Number two, I think that uh, the, the second big idea stands, uh, is represented by this letter O, which stands for opportunities. And I think that we have to be open to the opportunities that God gives us each and every day. Uh, everyone has different opportunities. And I'm not just speaking about the big opportunities, uh, you know, like helping children in Africa and, and those big projects. But I'm, I'm also speaking about those small little opportunities that appear on our doorsteps each and every day. If I'm at the gas station and someone needs me to smile at them because I see that their spirits are down, maybe that's an opportunity that God presented in front of me and uh, he wants me to actualize it right there and then. Or if I'm in the street and, and someone just fell, maybe it's an opportunity that God presented to me that, that I, must act, I must act upon. Uh, so we have these opportunities that are presented to us each and every day. And we have to really be open to us, uh, to, just open to them. Sorry, I, I would quote Viktor Frankl, what my favorite author mm. who wrote Man's Search for Meaning. And he famously said that life is not about asking what I want from life, but it is about asking what life wants from me. And um, life has many opportunities that it wants me to seize. And I have to be open to that. So that's number two. Number three, as I mentioned, it's a pop theory. So the third letter is another P. And that stands for people. I think that the people come, that come into our lives are part of our purpose. Some people come and go very quickly. And some people come and stay forever. And um, they are there for a reason, for a purpose. Maybe the purpose is for them to learn from us. Maybe the purpose is from us to learn from them. And I'm reminded of that famous Tamari quote that who is wise, who learns from all, from all people, uh, all people of all backgrounds. And um, in order to be wise about our purpose, we have to know that the people that are there in our lives are there to, uh, to, to, to learn from. Um, and um, again, and it goes, of course, deeper. Some people are there for us to learn about what friendships truly mean, sometimes in a positive way. Some friends that I have, for example, have made a deep impact in my life, and I've learned the art of friendship from them. And um, sometimes in a negative way, people that come and we thought were friends and they bruised us deeply, yet they gave us a whole different perspective on friendship. So again, I think people are there in our lives 
in order to teach us about our own unique purpose. And then the fourth letter is again another P, and that is uh, that stands for places. I think the places we go to are part of our purpose. I don't believe in coincidences. And if I am stuck at the airport, I'm really not stuck. I don't believe in the word stuck. God sent me uh, to that airport and he caused my flight to be delayed by uh, many hours, maybe because I have something there that needs to be done that uh, is aligned with my unique purpose. You know, I, I know this, this uh, masterful woman, her name is Miriam Swordlove, and she tells the story of how in the late 60s, she was stuck in the Detroit airport just before the Jewish Sabbath on a Friday afternoon. The Jewish Sabbath begins on Friday evening at sunset. And um, she was supposed to catch a flight back to New York, to her home uh, in New York where she lives. And um, unfortunately, a flight was delayed. There was a terrible snowstorm and she didn't know what to do. She felt terribly stuck. So she called one of the great Jewish leaders of our generation, perhaps of all generations, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson, also known as the Lubavitcher Rebbe of blessed memory. And the secretary picked up the phone and she says to him, well, I'm stuck and uh, I don't know what to do. Can you please ask the rabbi what he would suggest that I do? So uh, the secretary turns to the rabbi and says, look, Miriam Swordlop is stuck in the airport. She doesn't know what to do. A flight was delayed. Sabbath is coming in. What should she do? She, should she spend the Sabbath in Detroit or wait for a few more hours? And the rabbi answered, she says that she's stuck. What does that mean? I don't know what that word means. So the secretary responds to Miriam Sodov. The rabbi doesn't know what it means to be stuck. So she explains, she said, maybe, well, he doesn't speak English so well. So I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. And again, so he turns back to the rabbi and the rabbi again says, uh, I don't know what stuck means. So he goes and turns back to her and says, well, Still, the rabbi, with your explanation, doesn't know what stuck means. And then she understood the message. Maybe the reason that I am at the Detroit airport seemingly stuck is for me to fulfill my purpose. And uh, I'll try and find people that need me to lift their spirits. And she walked around the Detroit airport with a whole different attitude, uh, lifting people's spirits, giving out uh, Shabbat candles, which is one of the traditions, Jewish traditions, to light a light. Uh, each and every Friday afternoon. It's, a, it's tr truly a beautiful tradition that we believe brings light, not just physical light, but also spiritual light to the world. And she lifted people's spirits like she would have never if uh, the, that rabbi did not teach her that there is no such thing as stuck and that the places that God sends you to are part of your purpose too. Uh, Maybe may more of a personal story. And that is that I remember that a few years ago, my wife sent me with a whole shopping list to... A local supermarket here to fries on Shea and Tatum. You know where that is, Matt. And I'm uh, shopping for kosher chicken in the kosher section. And um, I'm frustrated. And, I, you know, I'm not good at shopping. <laughs> I'm saying to myself, gosh, why am I here? It's taking so long. And all of a sudden, this man comes and says to me, um, excuse me, are you a rabbi? And to crack a joke, I said to him, no. I mean, look at me. What makes you look? What makes you think that I'm a rabbi? And of course, I look like a rabbi. And he had a good laugh. And then he said, now, the only reason I'm asking is because I just lost my father two days ago. And I'm looking for a place to say the morning prayers, to say mm. the Kaddish. Do you have a congregation? Can I come and join your services? I said to him, of course, please come tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. We have morning services and we'll be happy to facilitate that. 
And then it hit me. I said to myself, you see, I thought I was stuck here also at Fry's and frustrated, couldn't find this chicken. But I was there for a much greater purpose. I was there really to help this man. And um, we formed a deep friendship over the years. But it, it, it really emphasized this point that the places that we go to are indeed a part of our purpose. So to summarize very quickly, I follow the pop theory. First one is know your personality, P, personality. The second one is be open to the opportunities of life, O, standing for opportunities. Third one is recognize that the people uh, that are in your life, those that you like and those that you maybe dislike are there to, for you to actualize your purpose. And the fourth one is places, the places that you go to, those that you desire to be in, and those you, that you don't desire to be in are also a part of your purpose you know what i i love about all of that is that um if you tie it all together you're looking at a deep self-awareness um whether it's understanding who you are in this world and what your um your gifts are and and showing yourself grace for those gifts and behaving with gratitude that, Hey, I have these things that I can do. And then of course, the more you know yourself, the more honest you are. And the more honest you are, you're able to interact with society in a different capacity that helps you get to where you need to go. And when I look at opportunities, it's interesting that you bring up, you know, there's opportunities in everything all around us. We're constantly getting signals, but we don't always look at it that way because I think people want to try to define opportunities as this big external, you know, thing or event that happens when like actually life is happening to you every single day at any right. given moment. And you, if you, if you can become more present, you actually realize how many things are leading you um, and answering the very you know, prayers or questions you have in the universe, it's like, well, they're being answered actually. Like if you just take the step or you just see this thing for what it really, you really need to, which, you know, and then there's that, that expression, you know, God works through people. I, I feel like if you know your personality very well and you understand more about who you are, you'll, you'll begin to understand more about the people that come and go into your life and the ones that stay. And, um, instead of us taking, I believe it's easy for a lot of people to take things personally when people come in and, you know, it's not so, <laughs> it's not, it doesn't feel so good. It's easy to think to get lost in, this doesn't feel good. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And it's like, there may be just nothing wrong with you. You just are now needing and the opportunity <laughs> to learn about yourself, you know, and uh, and then I love that you brought up with places that, um, and it's something that I believe in that when something um, happens, I have a story about places that was very interesting. Um, uh, years ago when I was uh, getting my MBA, um, a friend of mine from school uh, of the Hindi religion, um, he and I were getting ready to go uh, uh he was over here studying from India and uh, we were getting ready to go present to a venture capital some ideas. We're on the highway and uh, we're either going to be right on time or going to be like a minute or two late. And then boom, a flat tire, an, a flat tire <laughs> on the 101 with, and during rush hour. And, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And we pull over to the side and he's smiling. And I'm like, what are you smiling at? And he goes, are we blessed or what? And I'm like, what are you blessed? We're going to be late. And he goes, we're being kept from something else. I don't know what it is, but I feel very strong about it. We are being kept from somewhere else. And that's what timing is all about. And, um, 
and I was like, okay, you know, I, and I, I was open. So I'm like, you might be right. You might be onto something. Sure enough, we get back in the car. And as we go a little bit further up the highway, there was a massive like 10 car accident or crash or something. Now, I don't know if we were or weren't supposed to be a part of that. I don't know that, but it was just, it gave me the chills when, and even now when I talk about, when I think about, wow, like timing, there's just so like we timing in places, except where you are. And instead of complaining, make it into something, you know, that an understanding of, you know, where exactly where we, you know, potentially need to be. And right. right? So, um, yeah. yeah. No, it, it, uh, I love your story. And, you know, um, if we have time, one of my Please. favorite stories. And I, we have is, plenty of time, by the way. <laughs> it's the story of Nicholas Winton. Um, he's relatively unknown, but he's a true hero of this past century. Nicholas Winton was a British banker who lived uh, during the times of Second World War. And uh, just before the war, I believe it was in December of 1938, um, he, he was planning to go on a ski trip to Switzerland. And a friend of his called him and said, uh, Nicholas, please don't go to your vacation. Rather come and help me rescue some uh, Jewish refugees here in Czechoslovakia. Uh, they were of course, under siege and under terrible threats with the Nazi regime. And uh, Nicholas Winton made the decision, really, to go and help this friend and give up on his trip to uh, Switzerland. He went to Czechoslovakia and he organized uh, what are known today as kinder transports, children transports, um, with um, this friend of his and with other people that would take these Jewish children who were left abandoned in the streets and bring them to England, and he would then find adoptive families for them to save them from any possible uh, threat or fatal threats. So he, he organized all these kinder transports from Czechoslovakia and other places to Great Britain and made sure that these children were safe during the Second World War. His goal was, of course, to reunite them after the war with, his parents, unfortunately, with their parents. Unfortunately, many of those parents were killed by the Nazis, and they stayed in Great Britain, um, establishing their own independent lives. But as he organized those kinder transports, of course, he recorded every single name of the of the children that he was saving. Uh, the last kinder transport left on September 1st, 1939, and in fact, was intercepted by the Nazis. That was the first day of the Second World War. And the Nazis killed all of those children in the transport, signaling to Nicholas Winton that he's now humanitarian efforts have to stop. He nonetheless kept the records of all those children. He didn't feel a need to keep in touch with those children that he had already saved, that were already in adoptive families in Great Britain. And he took those records and hid them in his basement. He didn't tell a, a soul about his rescue efforts, which had saved altogether 669 children. Many years later, his wife is cleaning up their basement and she finds these records. She tells Nicholas, what is this all about? What have you been hiding from me? And at first, he don't want to tell her, but he says to her, uh, well, yeah, these are children that I saved and I've completely lost touch and it's just nothing that I did. I had to do my duty. So she in turn decided to keep a secret from him and uh, went and tracked all of those children or as many as she could find. And for his 100th birthday, he lived a very long life. For his 100th birthday, she, he, she gathered them, all uh, many of those children, 
in a room. There were, of course, not elderly people. And um, it's actually on YouTube, and you can you can actually see the, the video and the emotion on Nicholas Winton's face. But there's this woman on stage who gets up and says, well, is there anyone here who was saved by Nicholas Winton, to his complete surprise? And um, there's this woman right next to him who raises her hand. Mm. And he can't believe his eyes and he embraces her. And then this woman on stage continues to say, is there anyone else who was saved by Nicholas Winton? And soon enough, I'm sure many of your listeners have seen this video. Uh, many, oh, the, the entire room stands up and Nicholas Winton is overcome with emotions and he uh, uh, erupts in tears. And it, it's really an emotional, emotional moment. And it, 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 it stirs your very depth. But um, I'm, I'm thinking of the story because Nicholas Winton was a British banker who could have said, you know what, he could have said to his friend, you know what, leave me alone. I'm going skiing. That's my passion. That's what I want to do. I deserve this vacation. But instead, he was open to the opportunities of life. And he said to himself, no, it's not really about me. It's about what life wants from me. Mm. And uh, he, he went and he saved 669 children, which, by the way, of course, translate to so many more because these children had children of their own and had grandchildren of their own. So you could say that he really saved thousands of people. And today, hi, is Nicholas Winton remembered? Not as a British banker, as a mysterious man that uh, disappeared into oblivion, but quite the opposite, as a rescuer of children, a humanitarian that saved hundreds of lives. And uh, that openness to the opportunity that was presented to him stands today as his legacy. I think it's a beautiful lesson in, in what we're speaking about. I'm, I'm gonna have to. I'll have to include that YouTube link in the uh, in the show notes because that's a that would be a yeah. phenomenal yeah phenomenal watch. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, it, well, it brings up a good point about um, again being open to the opportunity. Like, what does life want from me? Because I feel like um, when the topic of purpose comes up, it becomes um, frustrating for a lot of people. Like. Uh, I know, then I'll give an example, but the, the topic is sort of like, what's my purpose? It becomes so um, general that they're trying to, uh, people want to force this kind of out of them when it's like, there there isn't really necessary, necessarily a force that's needed. It's more of a being open to like, okay, guide me. I, 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 getting out of our own head and actually, and in some ways humbling the ego and be like, maybe it's not me who has to figure this out. Maybe I just have to be open to the signs, to the signals, to the things that can help me if I'm a able to ask God and to source, you know, in, in, in general and ask for, for help and then be open to what life's opportunities present to me that help me define more purposefully a direction and clarity and all those right. things right because i i feel like that's because i feel like when we try to do things all by ourselves, <laughs> is when usually yeah. it becomes very difficult i must figure out my purpose and it's like well that's a very um big undertaking uh first of all your soul's here to do something so are you thinking from the body or you're thinking from the soul and second how you can do the soul's work if you're too much in the body right 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 no it's an excellent point you know i want to paraphrase uh, Winston Churchill, who, uh, and I'd, I'd like to change his quote just a little bit, but who defined humility as not thinking less of yourself, but as thinking of yourself less, right? Mm, yes. And I would say that um, if I could change his quote a little bit, I would change it to finding your purpose is not thinking less of yourself, but it's by thinking of yourself less. 
Mm-hmm. In other words, you know who you are. Like I said, P, personality. You have to know yourself. You know your talents. You know your skills. But once you've discovered who you are, stop thinking about yourself. Think of yourself less. And it's not that you're thinking less of yourself. Again, just think of yourself less and now be open to the world. Be open to what life wants from you, what God wants from you. You can call it what, you, what the universe wants from you. And uh, you'll see that there are so many opportunities that are really knocking on your door. And all you have to do is uh, think of yourself less, open that door, and jump on those opportunities. Uh, you know, I, I, I'll share with you that, again, that's, you know, I hate speaking about myself, but because <laughs> you brought it up, I think that's the epiphany I had at that age of 18. I said, well, yes, I wanted this, and I wanted that, and I wanted this, and I wanted that. Then all of a sudden, I got involved in community work, and I said, well, it's, it's really not about what I want. It's about what's needed of me. And, and it really, that epiphany changed my life. So I would encourage people to think the same way. Again, it's not that you're thinking less, uh, you're not thinking less of yourself. You're just thinking of yourself less as Churchill put it. It's not about us. It's really about what's greater than us. Well, you know, what's interesting is, uh, I think it's because we, when we place expectations on, I want this this feels right. I want, well, not feels right, but I mean, this is what I want. Like it's an expectation of an outcome. Well, (laughs) when that expectation isn't met, I think that's sometimes the hard part for, for individuals to see as an opportunity. And so they say, well, you know, I'm, they kind of go down this, this rabbit hole and they don't realize that it's like, um, if you remove the expectation and it's not saying to think less of yourself, especially if you didn't get the outcome, but to think of yourself less and how can I operate from what I'm not seeing, from what's bigger of me in general at large. And it seems like to me that the moment you step into that, which you did for yourself and God bless you did it at a, at a younger age, the moment you step into that, it's interesting how things just coincidentally, I don't believe in coincidence either, by the way, um, but it's interesting how things tend, the trajectory tends to skyrocket a bit more. It's not that it's not without challenges. Of course, I'm sure you <laughs> had several right. challenges along the way, right. but the trajectory drastically shifted the moment you moved out of your way and thought, okay, this expectation outcome I had for myself, it's not even an option. Like I, even if I tried to force it, it's not going to happen. How do I get out of my way? Let me go be of some service and let's see where that goes. And right. right. Now, now, it's, let me just, just flip the coin a little bit and say that it, it's still a very fine line and a very fine balance between knowing yourself and then coming out of yourself. Mm. Because uh, take Nicholas Winton, let's go back to him. There was no way he could plan this legacy of his. Uh, but on the other hand, he also had to ask himself the question, well, before I cancel my trip, my skiing trip uh, to Switzerland and go and help these humanitarian efforts in Czechoslovakia, do I have the means to do so? Do I have the skills to do so? He had to first, I'm sure, ask himself if he's the right person for the job. The second that was a yes, then those questions were answered with a definitive yes. Then he jumped on that, which is greater than him. So we still have to involve our uh, selves and uh, the knowledge of ourselves in these equations 
But at some point when we've received those answers, we have to come out of that bubble and face the world and and help it as best as we can. Well, I, I like the balance in that because because uh, I, <laughs> I know a lot of people will be like, that's it. The, ne- the, the next moment that something uh, big comes uh, or, you know, next opportunity to go volunteer, I'm out. I'm going to do it. And I like that you're saying, well, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> this individual at least took a step back and said, am I the person for this particular opportunity? I can do this. I can do that. I, I have the means for this. Great. So I, I, I like that because it, it also allow again, yet again, it, it begs the person to ask themselves the question, who am I and what am I in this situation? And am I fit for this? And, and, and doesn't mean that we're always all ready, right? but am I a person that can in this particular moment be of service and with my talent skill sets means whatever it might be. And if that's a yes, then, you know, go for it (laughs) in, in, in a lot of cases. Right. Yeah, that that's correct. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say this very often, you know, God will present, I, I really believe, I mean, that's already a matter of faith, not something that I can scientifically prove, but I think in many, many cases, I know of many people, uh, and it's true for them, that in which God will present to us, once we've discovered who we truly are, I think God will present to us those opportunities for us to, to seize. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, but again, it's a fine balance, and we have to know who we are in order to know how to best actualize ourselves. You know, to, to quote another genius, Albert Einstein, um, also one of my favorite quotes, he says that, he, he, they, I think they asked him once if, he believes that everyone is a genius. Everyone is born a genius. And he said, yes, everyone is a genius. But if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, right. it, it will live its whole life thinking that it's stupid. Mm-hmm. So, so if you're a fish, then your purpose is in the sea, not on trees. But you therefore have to first discover that you're a fish. And then once you're a fish, then be open to the massive oceans that are at your disposition. Here's a really important question um, from the universal hat. Let's say not necessarily somebody within the community that comes to you, but a person, any, you know, any, any person just in there, any person, any background that comes to you and says, I don't know who I am. I'm trying to get to know a little bit more about who I am. And I'm genuinely curious. Mm-hmm. What, where do I, where do I begin? What does that conversation look like internally? Or, or how do I um, approach getting to know myself more? Because the personality part is a very, it is actually a very big deal. And if it, you know, it's what I ran into probably about eight or nine years ago was I need to understand myself a little bit more. Like who is this guy that I look at in the mirror every morning? Like, I think I haven't, uh, I, I had an idea based on just kind of environments for quite some time but it wasn't until i i stepped into wanting to know more and then of course i added i asked several people both within my culture and religion and then and then outside of my culture and religion just people i i admired in general and 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 ironically a lot of the answers were fairly similar <laughs> you know no matter where you went to as long as you ask people that you you really um you know look up to and admire but when somebody comes to you no matter you know where they're at like what would you say to them for something like that? Like, hey, I, I don't know myself the way I think I, uh, the way I ought to. Where do I begin? Right. So, uh, of course, every case is different, right? I mean, of course, like you said, people are very distinct and different. 
and therefore I have to relate to everyone as they are uniquely. Um, but my general answer to that would be that um, I would ask a person not to learn, but to unlearn. And uh, what I mean by that is that very often we go through life and we start learning all these things and maybe even listening to people who tell us that we think that you are this way and you were born to do this. And, and, and we get all these ideas that we accumulate from the outside and they really hinder that which has always existed on the inside. So what I ask people to do is to unlearn themselves and, and, and try and disconnect themselves from all of those noises those noises that, again, include what people thought they could be and what schools told them that they should learn and so on, and go back to the very, very basics, to the, to the, to the soul, to the essence of it all, and then listen to their soul. That's what I would tell them to do. Unlearn all that you've learned from the outside and learn that which is and has always been on the inside, and that's your soul. What does your soul want? Now, how do you listen to your soul? That sounds great, maybe a very ideological, but how, how can one listen to his soul? How, how can you be in tune with your soul? That's, that's a much deeper question, but also a more relevant one. And I would say that it begins with this idea that the soul does not want physical achievements. It wants intangible spiritual achievements the soul doesn't want to sleep the body wants to sleep the soul doesn't want to eat the body wants to eat um what does the soul want spiritual achievements that's why it's a soul so what does that include that includes maybe learning maybe it includes doing a specific good deed or yet another specific good deed it wants to uh, illuminate the world you know it's not for nothing that king solomon in the book of proverbs compares the soul as the candle of god because a candle, what does a candle want to do? What is the raison d'etre of a candle? To illuminate. And the soul, too, wants to bring light to people. And I think that's how we listen to our soul. So to take it a step further, so again, step one would be to tell the person, unlearn yourself. Disconnect yourself from all those outside noises. Step two, listen to your soul. Step three, see how your soul wants to illuminate, wants to shine upon the world. What avenue of service to the world uh, is most in line with, with your soul? Is it helping the homeless? Is it maybe becoming a professor and researching a topic that um, only your mind and uh, your, your, uh, the skills of your soul can, can research and can discover? Is it maybe um, you know, being a teacher, teaching uh, people how to... Uh, how to learn all together and, and what to learn and so on. I, I think that once people truly listen to their soul, then they're able also to find out that avenue of service. But what is in common with all, regardless of your uniqueness, is that the soul wants to serve. The only question is, how can it serve best? Mm. Uh, and how can that service be aligned with the mission that God gave me. You know, we, I've definitely talked about unlearning. Um, and I think that that's a, uh, that's a beautiful first step. Cause the first thing to say is 
well, I was told these things, but I don't like them. <laughs> you know, I actually, I don't, I don't, it doesn't feel right. It never felt right. And I'm going to be okay with that, you know, and now I'm going to remove all of those things that I was told that I don't like, that don't feel right, that I'm going to unlearn. And, uh, when I get rid of all of that stuff, I feel like listening to the soul becomes easier because you've gotten rid of so much unwarranted, unwanted noise that you're left with basically like, oh, okay, I've gotten rid of the things that just don't seem to make sense, which was quite a bit. What do I like? <laughs> what, what, what makes sense to me? Like what, what feels right in the soul? And then when you brought up about the service, and I want people, especially since I know I have, I have a creative, a, a huge creative community, a huge entrepreneurial community, a huge spiritual community of all, all spiritual faiths, everything. And I, what I want people to understand is that, like, and at least how I'm interpreting what you're saying too with the soul and being of service is that, like, it doesn't matter the medium because you can you can serve in scale your your um, what you're here to do in in um, classrooms of thirty or in a business that services tens of thousands of customers. Like, it it, it can be in any number of of ways or through through some of the creatives the the art and the expression of art and how it makes people feel and how it serves you know millions of people worldwide through you know mediums like music and and painting and, and other things so I, I i guess i just i wanted to bring that part to to people who you know like oh okay so if i have to just be of service it's like no you are always of service if you you know understand that it's just the medium you choose to deliver that service through um, and how far that goes based on your um, your expansion, your personal expansion within, within that within that unique uh, uniqueness and, and service. And uh, and so, um, right. yeah. Right. I mean, and very well said and very, very well said. And I, I think that, the, the you know, I, I would just take it a step further even and, and say to people. So let's you've gone through those steps. You've unlearned. You've listened to your soul, and now you want to be of service because, again, the goal of a light is to illuminate. The goal of a soul is to serve. Mm -hmm. um, now, but you don't—you don't exactly know where to start. How, how should I serve? Like, where should I go to? I would say to people: try everything. Just try everything. Something will resonate. Once you've gone through those steps, then just don't don't get stuck in that mode of well i'm a little paralyzed because i don't really know what to do yes i've discovered what my soul really desires but i don't know how to actualize that so then try it try try go help the the needy and go um, teach and go learn and go meditate and go do all those soulful things something will click you'll yes. find out that something will resonate and once something really resonates deeply you'll know it Yes, and once you'll know it, then just continue to develop that and make that your your main focus. I love that. You know, I I often think of intention, and when you just like anything, like uh, um, um, when you have a question or when there's something you truly want to know, and you put the intention of wanting to know it, and then you put yourself into movement and motion, and then you go and whether it's going to go meditate, you go do an activity, you go do something uh, in general that's in discovery of self. Um, in the process, you're going to find, <laughs> right. you're going to find an answer. There's going to be it because you're already moving in the in, uh, in the direction of an intention to be um, discovered, and then because of that, 
you'll notice the difference. You'll know when something feels different. I actually had somebody tell me that a long, long time ago. Um, yeah, for anybody, it's not not that anybody's looking for marriage advice on here, but who knows? I don't know. <laughs> we have, but he, you know, a friend of mine, um, a very close friend of mine, for years, he just he wasn't. Um, he wasn't sure about marriage. This is when we were when we were kids, when we were in our twenties, and he said, "I I just don't think marriage is for me, et cetera." You know, and 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 he was always a very very honest individual, very honest about that with within his dating realm. And then one day, that was it. He met his wife. Forget it. Oh, it was over. It was you know. And we're having a conversation a couple of years later, and he said, "You know, the thing is, is if you experience the same thing." He's like, like, let's say somebody meets somebody and he goes, you know, they, they feel the same thing all the time. Oh, I feel good. I feel this. I feel that. You know, it's very similar. They know the feeling. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, the key is to look for the feeling you haven't felt before. Right. When it's very distinctly different and it's also um, broken down from the layers where the ego and other areas are involved. He's like, I never thought that I would get that in this particular moment, but I did. And that was how I knew something clicked. It was just different. And I would check myself because all of the times were like, oh, I, it's clear. It's the same thing. Yeah, it's got the heightened, you know, feeling when you first meet somebody. It's got this. It's got that. And he's like, right. but it wasn't different with his wife where it was a very different, unique feeling. Um, and, and when you so when you notice it, you notice it. It's very much there and ready for you when you're ready, when, when you're ready for it, actually. Or when right. <laughs> or as you say, with god works through people you know universe source works through people so yeah um i'll add though and i don't mean to 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 be a you know to to add this spoiler alert but (laughs) i will say that it's true i believe at least that this is true that you'll know it you'll feel it deep inside will just resonate with you like nothing else uh uh, maybe 80 percent of the time or most of the time right some people, for some people, it doesn't resonate, right? And uh, they just have to, to you know, dig and dig and dig and continue to work and continue to devote themselves and continue to serve. And that maybe at a later stage in life they'll say, "Oh, now looking back, yes, this was exactly what I needed to do." Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll give you, you know, so personal. Uh, it's interesting. I had not anticipated doing a podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. and I love I love telling people that openly because and I think it relates a little bit to what you're saying like did it hit like a ton of bricks not at all I was probably in that 20% you're just talking about where and luckily it didn't take me years but what happened was you know I'm growing fast on the internet and everyone says oh you know I, I love the way you're approaching things and being very open all around and very welcoming you know to, to everyone everything uh, do a podcast no I'm not doing a podcast and then, you know, a few days go by, a week go by. Hey, have you thought about doing a podcast? I'm not doing a podcast. I'm resistant to it. No podcast, not here. Sorry. And then, you know, some time goes by. People keep asking, like, you know, you really need to do a podcast. I'm like, listen, I know. And this is, you know, about five years ago before podcasting really. I mean, podcasts were big, but now they're really big. And people kept saying, you know, uh, I, I kept saying, you know, I just I would want to do it different. It's I don't like the ways I, some podcasts are out there. And they're like, well, you do it differently. Because you are different. I'm like, no, I'm not doing it. Then I, I'm trying to help out, um, you know, a really great, um, you know, resource. And I did. And they're like, hey, you know, we can help you with your podcast if you want to do one. We really think you should do one. I'm like, I'm not doing a podcast. <laughs> like, you know, it's like you could be hit over the head over and over. So to your point, oh, opportunity. And, and I was part of the 20% that just couldn't, like, see it. And I got to tell you, the moment it just 
clicked where I'm like, you know what? Let's do a podcast. <laughs> and I walked in the studio and said, we're going to do a podcast. And they go, finally. And then what does the audience say? Finally. And then, yeah. so I'm the last one to arrive <laughs> to the very thing that I should be doing because the audience wanted it. Uh, the people within my circle wanted it. People within my, uh, my professional network wanted it. And right. so I, I like what you said. You can sometimes be a part of that 20%. And I don't think, the other reason I'm bringing it up is I don't think you can also escape things, the gifts that are meant for you. That, that even if you struggle yourself, and you deny, you try to deny yourself of them, and you can think any number of reasons why that thing isn't for you, or that you would ever in a million years do it. Right. If it's for you, it's for you. You can't run from it. Right, right. No, very well said. And look, I don't know if it's 20% scientific. <laughs> I know, I know. But a lot of people, and it's true, and and I, I will say this, I think that that if if we get to this place where we we say to ourselves well nothing has really deeply resonated as we've spoken about then i think we need to ask ourselves two questions question number one is am i doing anything else right now that is of service to the world because mm. if i am not and if this this um conclusion that i've reached that nothing has resonated with me is is paralyzing me then 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 just jump out of that and do something that is of service uh, even if if it doesn't deeply resonate, you know the uh, the the good deeds that a person needs to do are far more important than that question of whether those things that he does resonates with him. Because at the end of the day, good is happening. So that's question number one. Am I doing anything else that is of service? Because if not, then even if it's not resonating, let me go and do what I have to do. The good deeds that I need to do. That's question one. Question two. Is, um, is is the question of, uh, am I being open to, maybe I don't reach, like you just said, maybe I don't reach that conclusion. What do my friends think? What, what do the people that truly care about me think? Because maybe they seeing things in me that I, unfortunately, I'm too blind to see myself. So get advice from, from the closest people in your life. And, and if they tell you to go on this path, they are probably seeing something that you're not seeing but that you'll probably see in a month from now, in a year from now, or in 10 years from now. But I think those are the two questions that one should ask himself if he feels like he hasn't reached a conclusive decision that uh, resonates deeply. No, I, I, I like that. Um, yeah, you know, and by the way, anybody listening, um, he did mention um, if you are a number two and you're asking people around you, uh, people uh, that... Um, see all the good in you <laughs> and your talents not the ones that say you should go become a lawyer or a doctor and that's it <laughs> just i'm just throwing that out there that you know because it's 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 people that i believe for me people that they can see some of the things that maybe you're being hardest on yourself or your where your blind spots are um i think that that's the biggest thing is keeping people around that that got your blind spots figured out um that can offer really great advice the other thing i was going to ask you rabbi too is um you know, what part of, now I get it because I play in social media. I have a very large audience all around, um, but I create more than I consume. And I also feel a very massive responsibility in talking to the world to paint a real picture of growth um, and that 
we're all uniquely different trying to figure things out and um and that's the picture i paint now social media at large is eclipses my <laughs> even my universe uh and until i'm joe rogan numbers <laughs> and you know and and that's part of my my purpose we'll get to that here in a minute but like um social media can distort i think people a little bit i'd love to get your take on it it's just i think that they yeah i want to be of service but then instantly it's almost hard for them to not um want to quantify in a way because social media helps distort this quantifiable you know uh you know like yes but now it must be huge like this and it must be this and unless you're doing it like this and i i feel like it can take people out of their flow in a lot of ways because it's like no 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 if you and, and a perfect example when i had no follower account i i and really they really weren't even calling them instagram influencers yet and the, the algorithms and all that stuff hadn't really changed but I, I i really was just trying to serve my way out of a really weird bad place a place that i thought was bad for me um, and my whole thing was just, I'm going to just be of service. I'm just going to highlight and bring light to, <laughs> to your point. Actually, it's funny right. when I say it out loud, bring light to a lot of really interesting people who uh, deserve respect for trying and for building something really unique and to bring those stories and things alight. What happened? Massive growth. I, I, I had no idea what I was doing, nor did I have any clue what was going to happen. It just happened that way. Um, but I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention to what, social media was dictating. Now this is about five, six years ago, six, six, seven years ago. So I get it. The you know, social media has heightened even more in the Instagram generation, the TikTok generation. Is it distorting and, and distracting people when it comes to thinking about, Hey, let me go be of service because it's maybe like thinking they got to have it all figured out or they have to be massive, but they, they just have to start somewhere. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'll also add another spoiler alert. And that is that, Sometimes God doesn't really want us to, to, you know, be that person that influences masses. Right. Sometimes um, it's much more valuable for for God and for life itself to influence just one person. Yeah. You know, uh, speaking of the Bible, uh, many people give credit to Moses as maybe the leader of all times who led the Jewish people out of Egypt and. Um, you know, for 40 years in the desert, in spite of the many challenges and the complaining all the time and so on. But I would give even more credit or maybe at least same amount of credit to his parents, his parents, his parents who raised the Moses. And uh, his parents were focused just on one person, Moses, or maybe also his siblings. So three people. But that was their their big purpose and that one person eventually translated into into millions so sometimes i i say to your listener i say to myself too sometimes it's just uh, it's it, 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 what is truly valuable is to to make an impact on what i can make an impact and if that's just one person then let it be mm. and that should be the case you know, Oscar Wilde said that the, the cynic knows the price of everything and the value of nothing. Mm. I think it can be said about social media, too. They know the price of everything. And sometimes knowing the price is important. But what we need to know is the value, the value of, of everything. And um, sometimes there's so much more value in impacting just one person rather than spreading our so-called influence on 
thousands. Yeah, you know, um, I so I, I completely agree. One of one of the very many lessons I learned um, spiritually is um, being of service is not about your ego, and uh, the only time you you and I get it, you know. Yeah, maybe the thirst for wanting to help even more people. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. Um, but it should be the act of the service that makes you happiest the most. Um, and removing the ego from, hey, if it's, you know, if it's millions, then I'll be happy. No, 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 no. Because now now we're outside of, we're right back to the quote, you know, it's like, um, think of yourself less. It's, right. it's right. not about you. It's about your gifts here and cultivating them and mastering them and showing respect and honoring them. And for whatever, um, you know, whatever influence that makes within that thing, whether it's one or two people, 10 people, 10 million people, um, you know, and, and it's interesting because I've, I've had people reach out to me where some people, they see my numbers and they, they love the numbers and they go, and I always tell them, I'm like, you know, I'm a fraction compared to like some of these other people online and all that stuff. And they go, don't you want to grow? Don't you want to this? And I said, listen, I was like, there's a plan. Not my plan, but there's a, the plan. And I was like, I'm here to be of service and doing what I'm doing. And I was like, my personal, I believe my personal growth throughout this process will dictate how far that that really goes. Um, that is already deemed necessary for me. You know, I'm not going to attach to, uh, I was like, I feel grateful. Are you kidding me? I'm like, look, if I'm talking to several hundred thousand people, <laughs> I mean, you know, I think I'm going to, uh, I got to be grateful for that. And even, and I'll tell you this too, there's also a lot of responsibility that I think sometimes people don't understand, at least because I take it that respectfully, like there's a lot of responsibility in every stage, whether you are handling five lives 5,000 lives, 500,000 lives, whatever it is, I take it as a, it's an honor and a respect. And there's a lot in there. Like there's a lot of responsibility, um, in how we show up and, uh, you know, make people feel all included, uh, and heard. Uh, but, uh, you know, yeah. Right. You know, I think part of going back to social media part of i mean social media has many many blessings don't get me wrong but there are also many curses that come along with it and part of those curses is that is that um uh shortness of attention mm. that it brought to society that we are constantly scrolling to the next story and to the next story or comparing one person to another or ourselves to others and uh, the shortness of attention really unfortunately has robbed us from the art of being fully present. And um, I, I think that this art is crucial, is, is vital to all that we're speaking about because I cannot find my purpose if I'm not fully present in the moment. If I cannot uh, be of value, not just of price, like we said, but of value to people, yes. if I'm not fully present with them. I, I cannot, you know, I, I, I cannot, uh, really, I should not be allowed on this podcast if I am not fully present in this conversation. Um, so, so let's keep that in mind as we are lured by, uh, you know, social media yes. offers and all sorts of other things. Let's, let's maintain our true value and the value of every moment and the value of every encounter by being fully present. 
I, uh, I love that you said that for two reasons. One, uh, my goal is always to make people stop scrolling um, and uh, when they get to me. <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, also uh, because, I, I w because of that, I want you to stop scrolling for a minute. I want you to, I, I'm here to make you think critically and universally and for yourself in that moment. And then to your point about, you know, being present even on the podcast, it's funny, um, you know, I've had people who, uh, especially like PR firms where they're like, hey, uh, we're going to go ahead and need those questions before the, uh, the show, um, you know, for the, for our, you know, our, our client. I'm like, N you know, what? I'll give it to you after the show. <laughs> and they always say, what do you mean you're going to give us the questions of the show? I'm like, I don't know what the questions are going to be. <laughs> and, and they go, how do you, what, what are you talking about? I'm like, listen, having a guest, especially one that is very busy, come mm -hmm. on the show. It's an honor and it is a respect. It is my goal to be as present as possible, listen and have a dialogue with them, a conversation, if you will, like as if we're two people having coffee that the rest of the world can hear. I should be as present as possible and as interested in them and who they are in this world and what they are doing and bringing to this world. So that way I can have a conversation with them. If I can't do that, I shouldn't be having a podcast. <laughs> and, and there's nothing wrong, by the way, with, with having questions ahead of time for anybody that's a podcast out there. I, I, I'm just saying that for them, for these PR firms, it was, it was just a new way of you know, understanding. But they get it because they see like the Joe Rogan type of podcast or the Gary Vee's out there. And you know, these other podcasts are like, hey, I'm just, I'm just a human being trying to, to connect with others on, on you know, topics at large in the world. But, uh, but I love what you said. Yeah, it is really, truly about being pre uh, present. Yeah. No, dare I say, I mean, that's one of the things that makes you as a person, Matt, so special and certainly your, your podcast, that you know how to be fully present. And it's something that really I, uh, I wish people are, are learning from you. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's been great. Now, you know, I, we're I know we're at that hour mark, but I I would love I mean, we don't I don't you can go as far as you want on this this topic. But I wanted to kind of before we wrap up, um, there was an article uh on your blog and um i know we've kind of touched on this anyways but and i didn't i didn't fully get into the article but i the minute i saw the headline which i was like oh great he really does know great how to do great headlines it was titled finding happiness don't pursue it create it this is a huge thing in general this is a very big topic um which maybe we'll do round two on this but you know um i would love for you to expand on that because um <laughs> There's a lot in there. I mean, it, it, the the high level overview for me from it is when I see you know don't pursue it. So in a lot of ways, everybody is like, when I have these things, I'll be happy, or right. when I get this validation, I'll be happy, or I want this kind of love, then I'll be happy. I want this kind of education, then I'll be happy. I want you know, and so all of these things in this external world right. are you know. You're, there, the chase will be forever. I've talked about this a lot. The chase right. will be forever. But when you look in, you're like, you know what? I, I am this love. I'm going to be this love. I'm going to be this kind of honest. I'm going to create this beautiful home around me. I'm going to work on my body. I'm going to understand, right. uh, you know, uh, I'm going to read and, and, and learn and love learning all these things internally. Well, then, then ironically, besides you being happy, your outside world tends to shape around that, right? Right, right. Very good. <laughs> Very good. And by the way, I think it's directly, directly connected to um, finding a purpose. Because yes. I think that happiness 
is not a goal in and of itself. That's why the title of Don't uh, Pursue Happiness created. I think happiness is a byproduct of self-fulfillment or self-actualization. I think once we fulfilled our mission in life, our self, our purpose, then happiness ensued. Uh, that's that's um, that's really my, my big belief and Judaism's big belief on happiness. And I will add another layer to this. And, you know, it's interesting, but in Hebrew, there are two words for happiness. One word is osher, um, which maybe is better translated into joy. And uh, the other word is simcha, mm. which is better translated into happiness. What is the difference between the two? The difference is that osher is happiness that we feel. So someone gave me good news. I feel happy. I went to a nice concert. Remember those days before, before COVID? <laughs> I went to a good concert. I, I felt happy. But it's happiness that comes from the I won the lottery. I feel happy. It's happiness that comes from the outside. So it's really dependent on the outside. But simcha is a whole different type of happiness. Simcha is happiness that we do. I visit the sick for some reason. Even though I've, I've, I've been in a very challenging and uncomfortable situation, is that deed created happiness in, within me, deep, soulful happiness. I uh, fed the homeless. I, again, I, 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 it created happiness for me. I did happy. Uh, that's, that's really the difference between those two words. And I think that feelings of happiness, the usher, the, that joy, uh, not just dependent on the outside, but feelings, as all feelings, come and go. They don't stay forever. They barely stay for a day. But when we create happiness, we've created, when we've done happiness, when we've done that simcha, that second type of happiness, then not only am I not dependent then on the outside, because I can decide right now to go and visit the sick, but also that happiness is so much more lasting. And that in of itself, therefore, Will, um, will will lift me for so much longer. That is the happiness that people should create by fulfilling their soulful wishes. They create happiness. They don't it, pursue it, but they create it. Interestingly enough, to expand on that, if happiness is a doing, then what you are doing daily is exactly how you are creating your world. You know, and so if those doing, you know, these, I'm not saying you have to go feed the homeless every single day, but the idea of your soul doing the things that naturally make you feel good every day, you're going to see more of a life that resonates, I think, at, at, at a, a very, you know, soul level. And, and, and happiness is created because, you know, it's, it's just, I mean, this then starts leading over <laughs> into disciplines right. and habits. But really, that's what it is. It's the habit of doing what makes you feel good every day at a soul right. level. It's going to create, obviously, happiness that's much more sustainable. Right. Exactly. And, you know, the other side of that is that I would say that that first type of happiness, the usher, the, the feeling of happiness that, again, is dependent on the outside is really me-oriented. I want people to feed me and my happiness. Uh, sorry, it's me-oriented, it's self-oriented, selfishly-oriented. Uh, the, the other type of happiness, simcha, is other-oriented. Uh, I'm, I'm not waiting for people to feed me and my happiness. Quite the opposite. I'm going to people to create happiness for them, and that 
um, creates happiness for me inadvertently. That, that th therefore, I think is a more noble type of happiness and certainly a more worthy one. You know, uh, I, I once explained this to someone, <laughs> and it's an experiment. I, uh, um, shamefully or not, but I performed on my own children. So as you mentioned, I have nine children, and uh, many of them are, are quite young. And as um, many parents here in your podcast can relate, you know, very often your children have these temper tantrums and they can't get out of them. So my uh, daughter, who's six years old, um, was having a temper tantrum not, not too long ago. And, uh, you know, she was uncontrollably crying. And um, we don't know what to do. And then I had an idea, this, this epiphany. And I said to myself, okay, I told my wife, I I'll take care of it. And I went, she was sitting on the corner of the room and crying and you know, kicking. And I sat right next to her and I began to cry. And I acted, of course, trying to, to act as authentically as I could, that I too am crying. And as I started to cry and sob too, of course, all this was an act, she stopped crying. And she turned to me and she said to herself, what's wrong with him? And at one point she even said, what happened, Abba? What, what's wrong? <laughs> and... It was an experiment. And then, of course, you know, she came out of the mode and things went back to normal. But it was an experiment I performed because I said to myself, look, sometimes things bother us and we cry. But maybe the reason we cry, we can't get out of this mode is because we're so focused on ourselves and our pain. How about shifting the focus to someone else crying? Mm. Let's, let's find someone else that needs our help. And when we shift our focus and and instead of focusing on our pain and our cry, we focus on someone else's pain and someone else's cry, then we'll realize all of a sudden that we have come out of this mode. I'm not crying anymore. Oh, I'm happy again. Why? Because what I've achieved then is creating happiness. Simcha. Yes. And that shift of focus from, from being self-oriented to being other-oriented has really given birth to the byproduct of helping others, and that is again happiness. Uh, that's so well put. I and that that definitely helps explain what I went through seven, eight years ago, where I didn't know what to do. So I had to shift from me to to other people because I didn't literally know what to do. Right. So the and the and it was weirdest thing is because I I felt it as a voice in in me like serve your way out. I'm like. What does that mean? <laughs> and so I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go, like I said, I'm going to go shine the light on a lot of people and we'll see where that goes. And there were a lot of people who, well, because I was already shifting people that were around me, but there were a lot of people around me who were like, you know, what is it you're doing? And and that that can be hard, by the way, for anybody listening. It, it can be hard because maybe part of the reason that you're feeling a certain way too could also be people that are around. Uh, you know, so as you start to make these shifts and you start to serve your way out or, or wherever it is you do through whatever medium you do it in, um, yeah. you'll definitely you don't have to have the answers. I, I think is really where I was going to go with that. Is it, it, it? But you're right. Shifting that focus from me to others really right. made a difference and you see that you see this everywhere you see this in great successes in business like when you really care about like in my case i really care about our clients and mm. and the nature of how we take care of them and reducing the overwhelm in the areas that they need us to reduce the overwhelm in um and um and they love us for it and we have a great relationship and you know we continue to, to help them and to help them thrive and you know and and that leads into more and to more and to more so you know and we're and and 
wherever that goes. You know, I, I mean, obviously you have to be smart when you build something, but, 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 um, but it, it definitely causes me to constantly look inward and be like, I want to make sure I'm always building intentionally and with the right people and and doing the right Right. things. Absolutely. That's right. And look, and I would challenge your audience as much as I challenge myself too, to that if they are feeling a little down, whether it's today or, or tomorrow, then do something good. Then come out of yourself and be other oriented. Now it doesn't have to be, you know, something massive. You don't have to go out now and uh, go to the food bank and 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 uh, feed the homeless. Or you can, or you can do. You can even stay at home, pick up the phone, and cheer someone up, or mend a broken relationship. Uh, do something smaller than those massive projects. And I can promise you, I'm even willing to bet on it <laughs> that you will all of a sudden feel happy. Your down feelings have turned into up feelings, so to speak. We should make that into a challenge, and then they have to directly uh, contact you and say <laughs> and say what the outcome is. Uh, this was amazing. What, what do you have anything interesting coming up? I know it's been a uh, interesting time we're living in, um, but is there anything you know? Uh, any books? Any online presentations you're doing? <laughs> any anything right. in general coming up, or just continuing to serve the world at large? Yeah, I mean, you know, generally continuing to serve the world at large, both in the context of, of our community here in Scottsdale, Congregation Bethesda and beyond. I mean, you know, I have a website and you mentioned my blog and I continue to write and some of my presentations appear there too. So people can go on it. Thank you for the, the plug. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and um, so the, for uh, your your because I'd like to know where they can get a hold of you. So online, yeah. what what are the best, uh, um, what would your your website uh, rabbialush.org is it right exactly exactly yeah www.rabbialush r-a-b-b-i-a-l-l-o-u-c-h-e.org and now everybody listening okay now i <laughs> just want to say this man is really great to talk to it doesn't matter what faith you're from or what uh you know what um your background is he's got incredible insights that are very universal on his blog so you know and as everybody that knows it listens to this podcast I, I, like we're very multicultural, we're all inclusive, um, you know, and this just happens to be one of uh, my really great, uh, you know, spiritual mentors uh, and who's, who's been really there for me. But I wanted you guys to know that I don't want you to feel like, you know, <laughs> I, do I have to be Jewish to, to, to read about happiness? No, of course you don't. And, and that, you know, Rabbi Lush's, uh, um, uh, uh, blog is is great. I mean, when we've had pastors on here as well, so we, we've got you know we've got a wide array. Uh, Revolution is just somebody closer to me because of uh, my culture and heritage, and has been you know spiritually helping me during a time of, of loss from my father and and beyond. Hopefully for many years to come. So no, thank you and thank you for mentioning Matt. Yes, and absolutely, I, I do want to stress that um, I, I'd love to speak to anyone and everyone uh, of all backgrounds. Yeah, and I can be of help, or or if you just want to you know just explore a topic together please feel free to contact me um, I, I love people i really believe in what i said before that we're all notes unique notes in god's great symphony and i'm just a note and with your note i hope to create harmony so let's let's do it together and feel free to contact me ah that's amazing thank you thank you for being on as well too and i you know i, I say this to every uh, guest 
and everybody that listens knows this part where I say, hey, you know, it's a journey-driven podcast, so <laughs> we, we definitely know times change quickly, and, and as does life, and it evolves even faster these days, so you're welcome back on the podcast anytime. We can explore some more subjects. I'm pretty sure we'd have at least one for a show every week, <laughs> you know, if need be, so you're welcome back on anytime. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. And really, God bless you and all the great work that you do. I know that you inspire countless people. And uh, by doing so, your your light is shining and it's it's illuminating my life, too. So thank you. Uh, I appreciate that. Hang back for one second. I'll talk to you offline here in just a second. But for everybody listening, uh, thank you again, you know, you guys for, for always tuning in weekly. Uh, it's amazing. The feedback is, is incredible. And as you guys know, like, uh, you know, I appreciate you guys reaching out. I appreciate the feedback. I appreciate the ratings and reviews. Please don't stop those because, you know, as while it's not as big of a deal, <laughs> it is according to Apple. And uh, I, I love, um, you know, how the show is continuing to expand. So it really means a lot. And, uh, you know, if you got any questions, you guys know you can always reach out, you know, for our amazing guest, Rabbi Pinchas Alush. Uh, you can go to rabbialush.org if you're curious. Again, lots of topics on fulfillment and purpose and self-actualization and happiness and all these things. Um, it, again, it does not matter what faith you are, what culture are. This is about, you know, um, getting really uh, to know yourself. That's really what all of this is about. And, uh, and I'm really grateful for having him on the podcast today. And uh, for all of you guys, I'm really just truly appreciative. Thank you for constantly tuning in. For Rabbi Lush, for myself, Matt Gottesman, and for the podcast Hustles Hold Separately, we are out.